0: Oh, what fresh hell is this?
1: This is the Cigar Tipsters Podcast.
2: Oh, that is the Cigar Tipsters Podcast. our second episode of 2018. We are recording this, uh, what is today, February the 11th. Uh, 2018, Junior. Uh, I'm here with you, Senior. will be with us in a couple of minutes. Ben, uh, coming to us from Maine, uh, surely frozen and covered in snow, I would imagine. And, of course, we have uh, our very own cigar savant, uh, the one and only Alan Friedman. Uh, I'm sitting here smoking tonight. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sitting here smoking tonight uh, one of my old favorites, uh, one of the Rocky Patel Edge Lines. My my favorite from that line is the Habano, but uh, tonight I have the Sumatra. That's kind of my second favorite from that one. Uh, So definitely uh, Tango with an old friend there. Uh, Definitely try this one if you haven't. Super smooth. And uh, Sumatra wrappers have kind of become my, I'd say, second favorite behind... uh, Well, I'll I'll rephrase that. Third favorite, because straight-up favorite's got to be Mexican San Andreas. Then I like... uh, Habano wrappers behind that and then the Sumatra. But enough about me, Ben, what do you got going on over there?
3: Um, well, I had earlier this afternoon, I took my dog to the park, which is the perfect opportunity to have uh, my smoke for today. It was the Partagas Black Label. Uh, the, uh, it was the one that was the sun-grown wrapper uh, made in the Dominican Republic. Um, excellent smoke. No burn issues. Really rich in flavor, leathery and earthy tones. Um, so I really had a, I really enjoyed that this afternoon. That's, that's pretty much all I got.
2: Yeah, sorry, I got my, I had my microphone muted during that, and I couldn't uh, get my finger on the button fast enough to come back. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: was like, "Is is it okay? Did I answer that right, or let's just keep going?" <laughs>
2: no, uh, uh, that'll be a D for today, Ben. I'll slap your hand with a ruler like a, a, a Catholic nun.
3: <laughs> okay. I just thought I, actually think
2: I I think I could pull off that look actually, the, the whole You hobby. really could. Yeah,
3: yeah. Try to break out of a desk. But,
2: uh, enough about my uh, Tuesday night activities.
1: Uh, Alan,
2: yep. what do you got going over there for us tonight?
1: Well, this week I chose the El Suelo. From Lyattler Imports and Pete Johnson. Now, Pete Johnson has been one of the most prolific cigar blenders in the industry uh, for many years, and the brand owner of many popular and highly rated cigars like Tahawahe. Uh, Pete is one of the partners of Liattler Imports, and along with Casey Johnson. His brother, Sean Casper Johnson, no relation to Pete, and Dan Welch produced the Liat Lair brand. Now, at the 2012 IPCPR trade show and convention, El Suelo was debuted. It was blended by Pete Johnson and produced at the My Father Factory in Nicaragua. And the goal here was to create a premium cigar that are consumer price conscious, and to raise the expectations of cigar smokers at every level of the cigar smoking experience. In essence, they've created an everyday Tahawahe, or Liatler, and this El Suelo line translates to the land or the soil in Spanish. Now, the El Suelo line is produced at Don Pepin's Tabaclara uh, Cubana S.A. Factory in Esteli, Nicaragua, and packaged in bundles of 20. It's a beautifully well-made cigar with a smooth, dark, veinless wrapper, and topped with a triple cap. The wrapper itself is an Ecuadorian Habano Capa, The binder is a Connecticut broadleaf Maduro and the filler tobaccos are Nicaraguan and a Connecticut broadleaf Maduro. The draw on the El Suelo was really surprising in that it was smooth and easy, something that I really wouldn't have expected uh, from a much higher priced cigar. El Suelo produced a very ample amount of Nice thick smoke. The El Suelo is a solid medium body cigar with deep flavor and some complexity. Well balanced with a very Cubanesque flavor, uh, an earthy leather, nutty flavors emerge with notes of fresh roasted coffee beans and a dark breakfast blend tea. I did notice hints of pepper cedar, and even a sweet, creamy, caramel, and cinnamon flavor. Now, to find a quality cigar for a wallet-friendly price is a thing of beauty. And El Suelo is a thing of beauty. Considering the quality tobaccos, the construction, the draw, and most importantly, the flavor profile, one would really expect to pay a lot more. Pete Johnson hit the mark with El Suelo and accomplished his mission of producing an inexpensive quality cigar, therefore, and without hesitation, my cigar tip to everybody is to try this cigar. Mark
2: yeah, definitely uh, enjoy Pete Johnson and uh, <clears throat> the stuff that he brings to the table in this industry he makes quite a few good cigars uh switching gears just a little bit uh, a couple of days ago uh, Ben and I were having a, uh, a conversation uh, via morse code on the uh, the telegraph machine because that's all apparently all they have in Maine. Uh, oh, for so crying out loud.
3: We have <laughs> internets. Uh, yes.
2: Gigawebs. Do you now? Dial-up, dial I don't now. know.
3: A version of it.
2: Yeah. It's like the North Korean version of it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Dial-up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have to put a new disc in every 2,500 hours of use to, to keep the internet going.
2: Oh, okay. You know, actually, uh, with with my position at Verizon, I don't know if you know, but we own AOL. So if you ever need a hookup on those old discs, you just let me know. I'll, uh, I'll I'll find some in the warehouse somewhere. You'll
3: be the first person I call.
2: <laughs> but anyway, we were, uh, we were somehow we got on the subject of morning cigars. I think Ben brought it up actually, and it got me to thinking. You know, a lot of us, you know, we smoke in the morning. I know Senior smokes in the morning with a, a cup of coffee, and a lot of times on his drive. And sometimes I'll do the same thing on my uh, my commute into work. And we kind of got to talking about you know what our preferences were for morning cigars. And I know I said it was kind of one of the few times in the day where I prefer to Connecticut because, you know, it, later in the day it gets, the stronger cigar I tend to like. But one uh, particular morning cigar choice that came to mind as I was thinking about it over the last couple of days, uh, one that I've had several times here lately, uh, is the Ecuadorian Connecticut Wrapped CAO Gold. Uh, and that's got uh, filler from Nicaragua, so you've still got a little bit of a a little bit of a punchy taste with not being too overwhelming for the morning. And one thing I'll say about CEO, you, you know, you're always going to get good quality draw and good burn with those, but, uh, definitely a Connecticut. I enjoy if I had a second choice, uh, I've always enjoyed the vicarious white since I smoked it. Uh, but for the morning, not in the Churchill size, they make it in a, in a nice Corona size that makes a good little morning cigar. But, uh, Ben, you, you originally bought this up, so what was your, uh, your morning smoke of choice?
3: Well, uh, it's something that uh, I've stumbled upon the past couple of months uh, that I haven't thought of or considered, but it's the Nat Sherman Host Selection. Um, now, this line of cigars is rolled in Donley, Honduras. It has Honduran uh, binder and filler, and it has a Connecticut Shade wrapper. So the benefits of all this is that with Honduran and Connecticut shade, it doesn't have as much spice or pepper as a Nicaraguan would. Uh, it's it's got a silky smooth uh, texture to it, and it's got just an element of sweetness to it. But it's also got things like uh, like a light wood flavor, like a cedary flavor to it. Um, it's just it really complements. You know, I like cappuccinos in the morning, and it just really pairs well with it. Uh, in my experience. And they're not that overly expensive, um, so I, I know there's a topic, and I've heard both sides of people as far as what we call you know morning cigars or breakfast smokes. And people will tell you, oh no, there's no such thing as breakfast smokes. You just enjoy what you like. But you know, I don't know if an Andalusian bowl or something that powerful, uh, or an añejo shark is something you want first thing in the morning. <laughs> I try to ease oh, yeah. into it. Uh, so. I call the breakfast most because it's around that time of the day. Um, but that host selection is something I would recommend uh, to our listeners out there to try and see what you think.
2: Hell, I made that mistake just a couple of days ago when we were all gathered at, at Woodstock. Uh, it was about nine o'clock in the morning. had an ate breakfast and started with a you know Hupman uh, eighteen eighty four Nicaragua and. By the time Oof. I was done with that, it was uh, I was swimming, so it, it's still yeah. even, even as much as we smoke, you can still overwhelm your, yeah. overwhelm yourself at that time of day.
3: It, it's a lot of nicotine first thing in the morning. You know, you want to say that maybe after dinner or something like that, or you know, afternoon, but in the morning, something a little bit easier on the stomach.
2: Mm-hmm. Alan, what uh, well, you know,
1: I I love coffee. And I love coffee in the morning. And by the way, Mark, nobody makes an Irish coffee like you do. <laughs>
2: yeah, apparently I was a little heavy on the poor
1: or so I was told. Whoa!
2: But I wanted uh, yeah. wanted some coffee with his whiskey or something.
1: Yeah, but that that was after dinner, so that that worked just fine. The uh, alcohol put me to sleep, and the coffee just. Kept me right up.
0: <laughs> Your body's going through a, this
3: roller coaster ride. Doesn't know what to do.
1: Yeah. So I was able to get through the cigar, which was wonderful. But uh, and of course, the the cigar we were smoking that night happened to be the um, one by Drew Estate, the uh, Smoking Monk or Drunken oh, Monk, whatever it was. Yeah, Smoking. It was monk, excellent? Right. Excellent. But in the morning, you know, I, I am usually up a, a couple of hours before I actually hit the door, jump in the car. And in the car, I've got coffee with me, and I'm on the way to work. And I usually will smoke a cigar in the car on the way to work drinking that coffee. And, you know, typically in the morning, I like uh, Connecticut Shade. And I actually kind of prefer the real Connecticut shade as opposed to an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade. But i tell you what I've really been enjoying is Brick House has come out with a new cigar in their line called, of course, Connecticut. And it's very smooth, very mild, Really, very satisfying when it, when it comes to the taste, and of course, Jerry's Vicarious White is terrific.
3: I do like yeah, the Vicarious so? White. That that is a very that is a classic warning smoke.
2: Yeah, like a mention it, I mentioned with it, if you,
3: the you haven't
1: tried this Brickhouse Connecticut, give it a shot. It, it's really very good.
2: Really, truthfully, a lot of that uh, brick house stuff is good, you know, and it's on the the lower side of the budget, so, you know, good cigars without breaking the bank at the same time.
1: Well, you know, typically you just need five bucks in a comfortable chair, so, that's, that's true. true.
2: But, you know, if, if your budget just, you know, is really, really super low, you can copy what a a gentleman in Florida decided to do when he got caught uh, stealing uh, some $70,000 worth of cigars. Now there's a little bit of a twist to this story, but we'll get to that part in a minute. Apparently um, this gentleman and uh, he had a couple Why of are you calling
1: him gentleman?
2: Eh, I don't know. Sarcasm? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bless his heart. Uh, like this it? guy. Yeah,
3: seventy thousand dollars.
2: Yeah, he's a twenty-eight-year-old uh, fellow uh, caught stealing nearly seventy thousand worth of cigars uh, from a suburban West Palm tobacco distributor. <coughs> distributor had two accomplices. And what
1: i uh, find, Mark is that they're calling these cigars.
2: Yeah, that that's the twist tell we're headed for. He,
1: tell him what he was stealing.
2: Yeah, he got uh, the big part of their haul with 60 cases of um, Black and Mild, and oh. then five, five cases each of Al Capone, uh, Splitterillos, Show, and Dutch Masters. Um, so what
3: was the crime?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah truthfully... I mean, what, a, what
3: exactly did he do wrong? He just relocated them all these done. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, really. Okay,
2: and that was the funny part. When I saw the headline, I was like, "Well, man, they must have robbed like
3: a... I thought it was Cohiba's or LFD or, uh, or something. You know, something. You know, yeah. padrones or something. No, black and miles and Al Capones. Said...
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna go to all the, if you're gonna go to all that trouble and all that risk to steal cigars, at least get some real fucking cigars.
3: Uh, yeah, don't.
2: <laughs> I would have <laughs> I would have even at this point accepted it if he had stolen a truckload of acid.
1: Because those are <laughs> like you know, premium cigars. <laughs> yeah, these were definitely not premium. You know, no. you know there was a crime spree here in the Atlanta area, and Jim at Blue Havana Two had a lot to do with getting this guy caught. He was breaking into cigar shops. What was interesting is he was going for their money in the registers and never touched the cigars. And what's even more interesting, wow. in most cases, the registers, which are typically up near the front door, are sitting there wide open with no money in them.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, most shops, and I'm sure a lot of them in the, the Atlanta area, probably empty their drawers multiple times a day and definitely don't leave anything in there at night. So, if they're smart, me, they do. Yeah, you know, if you're going to break into a cigar shop, you might as well go for the cigars.
1: Yeah, I'm sure no. they had some. No uh, waste. Didn't some go for it. He, was, he was looking for money. Some Gurkha triads in there. But they, there, you know, but they you know, did catch it. the guy. And again, Jim at Blue of 2 had a lot to do with that.
2: I'm definitely glad they caught the guy. You know it's you know the rest of us we we go to work and we we earn our money, so I don't like to encourage any thieving from any of the uh any of the population there. so glad and also this gentleman who relocated those black and miles was also caught. Uh, so he will be serving, I'm sure, two or three days, uh, you know, for his crime.
3: Two or three days?
2: Yeah, wow. I, I assume that's a fitting punishment for Black like and Miles.
3: <laughs> for all his Black and Miles, come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his punishment the is that he has to smoke all of them. That's his punishment. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah no. be... <laughs> I know. I can hear this judge right now, you know, it's, uh, him saying,
3: You did what? Yeah, you idiots!
2: <laughs> exactly.
3: You don't own a humidor, do you? No.
2: You're uh, you're almost too stupid to punish.
3: <laughs> I'd offer you a cutter and a lighter, but what's the point? Well, pretty soon he's gonna be drinking toilet bowl wine. Toilet bowl wine. That's right. Toilet wine.
1: It's good. To,
3: he deserves uh, it.
2: Actually, those black and milds might come in handy uh, in prison when
3: uh, as currency. The,
2: when six foot eight, 350 pound Bubba comes walking by. Why is it always Bubba? Okay, well, hang on. Let me rephrase that. I'll, Jeremy. Wait a minute. We're going to edit that out. When six foot eight, 350 pound Sebastian comes walking by.
0: <laughs> there we go. Give him a proper name.
2: <laughs> yeah. Call him, call him, him Jeremy. B- Bubba's <laughs> gotten a bad rap. Let's
3: <laughs> There's a guy named Bubba out there. He's like, you know, I haven't done any of these crimes. Why is my name associated? I haven't done anything. <laughs> Anyway,
1: now, by the way, if you're a machine made smoker, uh, we're really not putting you down. What we're laughing at is the fact that this guy stole machine made cigars when he could have easily stolen handmade premium cigars. Yeah,
3: not I that we want you. him to do that, but if you are going to do it, at least do it right. We're not encouraging you or anyone else who's listening to this podcast to go and try to steal premium cigars. It's just go, Make it a proper theft.
1: Well, Don't you have
2: know, truth be told, this warehouse probably had both, so he was probably in reach of either one. So, yeah, we're making fun of his choice.
0: Uh, he okay. moved the was off to get to the block of miles. Yeah
3: yeah good good move there
2: all right benji you uh you sent me a, a link about uh the fda and the cigar industry arguing in court for relief from the fda so i'll let you uh jump off on this topic
3: right so this is uh an article that was published by uh cigar aficionado in december of last year and basically it's um you know, the, the cigar industry is still seeking relief from the FDA uh, on various portions of it. So there's, you know, the the fees involved with uh, with making the cigars, as well as the intrusive labeling that goes with it. Um, so what this is, is that in December, well, in October, I should say, a, a jointly filed motion was put into place, uh, which was the Cigar Association of America the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association, and Cigar Rights of America. So all three of those were coming together as a joint uh, as, a, as a lawsuit to fight the U.S. FDA. Um, so this particular portion was for the FDA to vacate costly user fees and set aside warning label requirements, uh, which was scheduled to go into effect August of this year. So there were two lawyers that were representing the cigar industry, Michael Edney. And Mark Raffman. Raffman? Raffman. I don't remember how to say it. Uh, in any case. And so the uh, Judge Meta was the one uh, listening to the case on both sides. And there was a back-and-forth argument regarding the FDA's new warning label requirements. Um, if you're not sure what we're talking about, if you look at cigars sold uh, in Europe right now, they have giant labels on the front of their boxes. Uh, and even like the small travel packs that says, Warning, Smoking Kills so forth and so on there's various warning labels that they're required to put on Um, so essentially the agency wants cigar manufacturers to affix larger warning labels and there's six different versions uh, and then also submit a plan to ensure distribution of the new warnings Um, so edney uh, one of the lawyers uh, summarizes the cigar industry's argument basically uh, which is saying that the warning labels are a violation of the first amendment and are quote an unconstitutional restriction on commercial speech. Okay. So uh, the warning that like he also goes on to say the warning labels crowd out the manufacturer's communications with customers. Um, and that also the FDA has no evidence that larger warning labels will abate cigar use. Kind of makes sense. So after any uh, made his case, uh, he was uh, the FDA, Uh, the lawyer for the Department of Justice, which was representing the FDA, was allowed time for a rebuttal. And during this time, he was talking to Judge Maida. brought up the fact that Dr. Scott Gottlieb, the FDA's commissioner, that the agency is reevaluating its regulation of the premium cigar industry. How comforting. So, quote, if the FDA is still studying premium cigars, how can I make a ruling, Judge Maida asked. So if it's still an ongoing case, how can you make a ruling which way to go or another? So um, basically, the judge is saying, I have a problem with the government agency asking the premium cigar companies to spend millions of dollars to satisfy a deeming rule when it may not be in the books for now, uh, a year from now. Um, so it seemed like the FDA didn't really have a solid case. They're just saying, well, we're just going to reevaluate uh, the regulation. I'm like, well, OK, so. uh after a brief recess ruffman got up before the judge argued why the court should vacate the costly user fees including the quote final deeming rule so um he contested that the new rule is quote not a user fee because we are being charged to cover the cost of e-cigarettes which aren't required to pay user fees so the judge made us st- not really making a ruling yet because he he doesn't feel the fda has any real solid case is what it looks like um so after hours of deliberation, the proceedings were over and Judge Made acknowledged that the case, quote, was unique and that he'd get a decision to both parties as soon as he could. Um, but that's kind of what the latest litmus test of this lawsuit FDA is. And it looks like that the, the uh, you know cigar industries, lobbyist groups are trying to cut off a little bit at a time from this massive FDA lawsuit um, a ruling that came across the, the year before and saying, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't make sense, and if they can argue it a little at a time, hopefully it'll flatten it to where there's minimal or or hopefully no damage uh, as far as the FDA's ruling on the cigar industry. But that's pretty much what the article is saying. I know it was a lot, uh, but that it's kind of complex if you don't explain it all.
2: Yeah, but if chipping away at it a little bit at a time, you know, a chunk here, a chunk here, a chunk there, is what it takes to get rid of it, then by all means, chip away.
3: Yeah, it, it adds up. You know, if we can get rid of the, user cost, the cost of the user fees and then cut down on the warning labels and then cut down on the manufacturing fees or what have you, then every little bit helps. And the less we can...
1: Well, you know, the... first of all, if you've seen these warning labels... They're absolutely disgusting. You know, part of the thrill, the excitement, the, the allure of the cigars is the beauty of the box. It's artisanal. I mean, we, let's face it, we're, we're visually oriented, and we like the boxes. And these manufacturers put a lot of time and energy into the artwork, the labeling, the boxes themselves. And then, you know, here's this arbitrarily, they want to throw this gigantic warning label on there that just makes you want to throw up.
3: It's invasive.
1: I don't want to walk walk into a a humidor and and see uh, black and white photos of rotted lungs.
3: Uh, it's ridiculous. Well, imagine if you went to a nice restaurant, and then you ordered a bacon-wrapped scallops and a filet mignon, and then over top of that, they put a giant napkin with the amount of calories you're about to consume in large, bold face. It's not only invasive; it's annoying, and it's discouraging. It, it's there's no. We're aware of what it is. If we're adults, we know what we're doing, what we're consuming. And to put these giant warning labels, I don't know if you've ever seen them online, um, and not only that, but, you know, it's, um, it's difficult for people to be, because you get visually appealing to the cigar first, before you smoke it, before you cut it. The first thing when you walk into a humidor is the visualization of it, and that's why these cigar manufacturers spend so much time and effort in just the visualization of the cigar, the cigar band, the foot band. You know, uh, the type of cap it has, the boxes that it comes in, the packaging. I mean, if you've ever looked at Gurkha, it's ridiculous packaging, but it's very appealing and it sticks to your mind. Um, I was watching this gentleman uh, online and he was talking like cigars in Canada are very much more expensive. And he said, somebody will choose one cigar over another, not because of the quality of the tobacco, but because it has a footband on it. It's just that little extra premium look. And if they're covered up by all these warning labels and all these boxes, it's you can't see them, and it just—it's horrible. It's a horrible look, and it's not necessary. And and even with the articles, um, testimony that it doesn't actually abate cigar users, it just invades—it it invades the art that goes into making them.
2: Well this was another topic that came up in Woodstock cuz we were talking about, you know, what a small percentage us, you know, hardcore cigar aficionados are in terms of the greater cigar market and you know what novice or rookie smokers might go for and hell even I was guilty of it when I first started smoking was I chose my cigars based on who had the cool branding or who had the flashy branding or, you know, you know, you walk in a, a humidor that has 200 choices. Uh, Camacho's bands are going to stick out. Gurkha's brands are going to stick out uh, to an extent. Rocky's brands are going to stick out, but you, uh, much like food, uh, you look with, you start with the eyes and you go from there.
3: Yeah. And we know that, you know, the cigar bands, the way they look don't necessarily directly tell you what the quality of the cigar is going to be but if somebody's putting extra time and effort into the way the cigar looks and the uh, and the and the band and the box design and everything it just gives you it makes you feel more confident that if they put that much time and care in just the way it looks on how much it would it would smoke so there's some correlation even though it's not 100% direct and the cigar manufacturer should have no hindrance as to how they want to design it and how they want it to look and how they want it displayed
1: Again, let's let's just come right down to the bottom line here. Is it is a legal product for adults. Yep. End of story. Okay, leave it alone, leave us alone. Okay, I don't need the nanny state telling me what to do. And
2: speaking of the nanny state, uh, 16 states are seeking to raise the, uh, tobacco purchase age to the age of 21. Those 16 states are Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Indiana, Iowa, Massachusetts, Mississippi, New Hampshire, New Mexico, Vermont, Washington, and West Virginia. Tennessee also jumping in, requesting an age increase from 18 to 19. Uh, Personally, I call BS on it for the simple fact that if you're old enough to pick up a gun, go to Iraq, and shoot people in the face, you're old enough to buy tobacco.
3: Doesn't have to be the face. We agree. Um, we, we all. Okay, well, it agree can be like this. Just... this. will do absolutely nothing but just. It's well, just annoying. Terms... It doesn't actually. It's not going to change. <laughs> Purchasing of cigars, it's just just more
1: it's just more nanny state.
3: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You know,
1: most cigars, as a rule of thumb, you know, the eighteen to twenty one is a very small market. People don't really start getting into cigars until over the age of twenty one, even over twenty five. But yeah, I think I would. One of the biggest things that the soldier enjoys is cigars.
3: But I can buy amazing. cigarettes at eight? Oh, wait, they're trying to say that all tobacco is at 21. Not just cigars, but any yeah, cigarettes yeah, of tobacco. any kind. All, all tobacco. tobacco.
2: But oh, at, at the God. end of the day, it goes back to a mixture of what Alan said, legal product, and a mixture of if you're old enough to fight for the country, you're old enough to smoke if you so choose.
1: But the bottom and I line is, totally agree that they should be carding everybody. Oh, you know, yeah, this definitely. is one one of the things that we talked about. You know, in the shop itself is, I don't care who they are, card them.
2: Yeah, that was you know,
1: unless they're a regular customer that you know.
2: Yeah when when I would work for Kirk sometimes at his shop that was that was basically rule number one. Anybody you don't know card them, whether they look 15 or 55, card them. Yeah. And, Senior, you were attempting to chime in there, too.
0: Oh, I was going to say, the bottom line is if they're underage and they're wanting cigarette, alcohol, whatever it is, they're going to get it. Just like when when I was a kid, you know, and, and we wanted a beer. We weren't old enough to buy it, but we knew somebody that was. So I mean, putting additional regulation rules in place it's going to change simple fact. If
3: they want it, they're going to get it. And as we've clearly okay, seen sure. from the theft, they don't want premium cigars. They obviously want Black and Miles anyway. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, um, the the industry itself has it already has the filtrations in in place just because the demographic of people were. And they just aren't even looking for it to begin with, really. And, you know, they're looking for hookah and vape and whatever other tutti frutti shit they want to smoke out there. Um, And I don't know, just raising the age, it doesn't, it's just, they're just going to get it. They're just going to have their older brother or a friend of theirs go get it for them if they really, really want it. But it just seems like a lot of work.
2: I really don't want you. uh,
1: this isn't gonna stop you know, with tobacco or cigars. No. You know, they're going after soda, they're going after snack food, they're going after fast food. It's all incremental. Little bit, little bit, oh, right little there. bit, little bit.
3: Yeah. Hey, guys, I'm gonna step away for just a minute, I'll be right back. So keep going.
2: Well, that's enough uh now that Ben's here we can talk
1: crap about him since he walked away. No, we don't want to do that. <laughs> no, but, you no, know, no. he is he is in one of the states that already has the 21 law. Yeah, and it's... So in Maine in Maine you've got to be 21 to buy tobacco.
2: Yeah, it's a little a little bit on the ridiculous side, but that's enough uh Enough government uh, bureaucracy talk. I want to talk about uh, some some better cigar topics, more specifically our five-under segment. And it was actually Alan's wife, Marley, who introduced me to this particular cigar uh, this past uh, weekend while we were in Woodstock. And that uh, cigar is called The Artisan, and it's made, um, or at least branded by Famous Smoke Shop, uh, famous-smoke.com. You can get a lot of great deals on there. This particular cigar, the Artisan Honduran, is actually uh, made in Honduras by Placencia. So it's a good cigar being made by an established uh, group of rollers. Uh, Really, really good cigar. It had uh, a combination of Nicaraguan and Mexican fillers, so it's got just a little bit of uh, spiciness to it. And it's got a great Habano wrapper. These are basically, uh, you get a bundle of 20 for $20. So they're a dollar a stick. And, you know, it's a dollar a stick that, you know, smokes much more like you paid $5 a stick. Uh, I thought it was really rich, had a nice medium bodied uh, smoke with some, like I said, some sweet spice, some coffee, and some nutty flavor in there. Uh, But definitely enjoyed having that one. Uh, so thank you to uh, Alan's wife Marley, for that one. Alan. I'm sure you've had that one a couple of times what uh, What's been your thoughts on that essentially I've, got to tell you,
1: I've I've got to tell you, I am really impressed with famous's private label brands. They've got you know maybe thirty forty different bundled brands that you can buy for twenty dollars. You know, at anywhere from 15 to 24 in a bundle. And, you know, if you're someone who um, is going to smoke three, four cigars in a day, th- this is a way to go. It's, it, um, I think in all of them that I've tried, there's only been one bundle or one cigar that I didn't care for. And Marley liked it. So... No getting for days, but... <laughs> I'm just very... Well, yeah, you, you guys really had the uh, artisan. Them.
2: Yeah, it was uh, when... I tried it, and then when she uh, told me what you guys paid for it, I actually really, really enjoyed it, came home, ordered a bundle. I got some on the way, and I also ordered... They've got... Um, you guys had the Honduran version. They've got a Nicaraguan version as well. Uh, so hopefully by the time the the next podcast rolls around, I will have had a chance to try the Nicaraguan version. The, because they come the in at Nicaraguan the same price. version
1: is excellent.
2: Okay. So good. Definitely got something to look forward to there. But yeah, if you, uh, any of you out there. No,
1: have- I, I like to support the brick and mortars, but sometimes that's difficult to do just based on pricing. You mm-hmm. know, even if I went for a, A five dollars cigar, you know. Over a weekend, you know, I'm going to have three or four on Saturday, three or four on Sunday. That can get expensive over a month. Oh yeah, Uh,
0: that's the same way I am. Uh, As many as I smoke, I have to get the deal here and there.
2: Yeah, I know. At one point, you were, uh, I'd say minimum three a day. Uh, I don't know if you're still on that kick or not, but yeah, you. uh, Eh, I'm
0: pretty close to it.
2: (laughs) You were. I'm sure racking up some uh, some nice tabs uh, from going through that many a day.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm still pretty close to two or
3: three a day. Well, and not yeah, only I'm that, gotta... uh, by the way, I'm, I'm back. Sorry, didn't introduce me. um But I, I saw a sign at my cigar shop. Um, it's like a part cafe, uh, part cigar humidor combo. And they actually had a clipping fee listed uh inside of seven dollars and i think what that's trying to do is let people know and and some places have this if you just buy your cigars outside and just go in there and smoke them and have water and leave you know you're using their amenities you're using their space and their air conditioning or heat um as as etiquette to cigar bar cigar shop wherever you're at if you're going to sit there and smoke them uh and you're allowed to bring them from outside if you want but order something from there. Support the business in some fashion. I usually, you know, maybe bring my cigars because it's cheaper to buy online, but order a cup of coffee, order a sandwich, order something that contributes to to that store. I think that's just respect for using their space. No,
1: oh, definitely. Personally, yeah. if I walk into a shop, I'm going to buy a cigar. Yeah. If I'm yeah. going to an event... I'm going to buy their cigars. Yeah. You know, I, I want to support them. You know, if they're jerks, I'm not going to go in there to begin with.
3: Correct. And if I've never been in there
1: before and I walk in and they're jerks, I'm never coming back. That's a good point.
2: That actually happened one night back in the Patriot cigars days. The, uh, The shop that kirk on we were we were there at an event one night and uh you know talking to the the brand owners and learning about their cigars and uh, one of the the shop uh regular customers just kind of walked around their their table and their display and got what he wanted from the humidor and you know sat down and started smoking it and it it really just for the rest of the night it just bugged the crap out of me that he he didn't even you know didn't say hi to them, didn't hear their pitch, didn't, you know, grab one of their cheap sticks. I mean, if these guys go to the trouble to come to the shop and they set up their displays and, you know, spend four or five hours in there, the least you can do if you're going to be in the shop at that time is buy one of their cigars. not saying you have to buy a box, but you you could, you know, butch up and buy one. Yeah. Yep. It's always
1: a good idea to support the brick-and-mortar if you can. Oh, yeah. you know, but oh, yeah. there are individuals who, no matter what, always smoke the same cigar. It doesn't matter what's available, where they are, what's going on, you know, event or not, they want that cigar. That's what they smoke. Period.
2: Yeah, and no, I... I couldn't imagine being that limited with the amount of selection that's out there. I tend to to stick with five packs more than boxes just because uh, I'll get tired of smoking the same thing over and over. And I know I've, I've heard that from Senior a couple of times where he'll buy a box of something. And, you know, by the time he goes through the box or he gets halfway through, he's tired of them.
1: Right. Well, Senior, when that happens, you just send the rest of the box to me.
2: Don't worry. I've got an address on my you, phone. We'll, we'll
1: post them over. I assure you, I am not going to get tired of them.
3: Try to get tired after the first cigar, and then just, quote, throw away <laughs> the rest and just distribute them out. <laughs> well, if I was
1: doing,
3: you know, if I was home, it would be different because
0: I've got a lot more humidor storage there, Yeah, but being out here on the truck, I've got a fifty count with the, the layers out of it so I, I can get about sixty five cigars in here. Um oh, no bye bye
3: you know, I
0: buy, you know go on Gentlemen line, I, I have
1: 65. a question for you. Yes. Yeah. If you want to scratch off and had twenty seven thousand dollars, what would you
3: buy? I know what I'd buy. We'll okay, go ahead
0: go ahead. They're thinking.
3: <laughs> yeah. I I know where this is going. But uh Junior, what would you buy? <sighs>
1: Where's it going?
3: You could My. buy yourself a car. You could buy some really cool I don't know jewelry maybe or something. Um
2: I, I hate to give the the responsible adult answer, but I'd probably just pay a bunch of stuff off and not have as many bills. Uh, But if I
1: were forced to buy something, it would probably be a car, quite frankly. Well, would you believe that somebody spent $26,950 to get an autographed box of Trinidad Fundadores from Cuba, signed by Fidel? (laughs) Wow. Wow talking yeah, about I mean, a waste dude, yeah. of money. Yeah, got, yeah
2: like, that is the definition of stupid money. I don't get me wrong. There are even if these were literally the most amazing cigars to ever grace your palate, and they won't be. No, it's just twenty-seven thousand dollars is insane for anything. I mean, my car didn't even cost $27,000.
3: But this is just for a box. You said it's Trinidad's. Okay, so it's the pre-Cuban embargo and all that. Uh, And and these
1: are basically the uh, Petite Coronas.
3: Please tell me this money went to some type of charity. I don't believe so. It was just to the auction house. Not if it had anything
0: to do with Castro, it didn't go to (laughs)
2: Cuba. Fair enough. Yeah, so the wooden, let's see, Trinidad, uh, is that Fundadores? Is that how that's said? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Fundadores. Was signed
2: in a, I love how specific they get here, signed in a blue felt tip pen by the longtime Cuban leader and is accompanied by a photograph of Mr. Castro signing it uh, for philanthropist Dr. Eva Holler, uh, twenty-four cigars in the box. Uh, I, I don't care if Pope, uh, the Pope and God Himself signed a box of cigars. I would not pay twenty-seven thousand dollars for it. No, uh, but you know, to to the individual who bought it, more power to you. And if you would like to send us samples, uh, send <laughs> yeah, me a text. I would love I'll, to try that. I'll, I'll, I'll give know. you uh, our addresses. <laughs> Uh,
3: that'd be wild well to try. But, I mean, who knows how long. I mean, I doubt that box has been sitting perfectly humidified for this long. I, it's, you know, I, they're pro- I, I would even doubt they're even good at this point if they've not been well kept this long.
2: Yeah, because you, you know. figure it was signed for that doctor in 2002, and you yeah. have no idea how that person may or may not have stored them uh, over the they
3: last were made. They were minutes. made for Castro in 1980, so... I mean, who the who the who knows how well they've been made. It's just so he can say, "I have a box of Fidel Castro cigars." That's the okay, that's so bragging let's, rights.
2: Let's put this in perspective. What's worse, twenty seven thousand dollars for this, or twelve thousand dollars for the uh, smoked Winston Churchill nub? Mm,
3: but yeah, well, that half of lifestyles
1: of the rich and stupid. Yeah, more exactly. dollars, feel, more
3: dollars like we, than cents.
2: Uh, if we, if we could afford it, we'd have uh, Robin Leach uh, calling this segment right now.
3: Well, <laughs> if we can put a, if we can spend a hundred million dollars to put a car in space, uh, obviously money isn't an issue to some people.
2: True. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I would like to think if I had that much money, I wouldn't wouldn't do something stupid like that. But no. I've done dumber things.
3: I've never had that much money to be that stupid. I mean, <laughs> I don't, don't ever know what that's like. At, at
2: no, t- at no single point in my life have I had that much money in hand at one time.
3: Well, um, since this money doesn't look like it went to any type of charity or they would have announced it, um, as an update to anyone listening out there, I did finish uh, a blog this afternoon on cigartipsters.com. Um, of which you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. But go to com. check out the blog, see what you think. It just has to do with the, uh, how the cigar industry gives back to the community and to its uh, the people who support it. So just give it a read, see what you think. But that's and all I've got.
2: Speaking, speaking of the, the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we are at Cigar Tipster on all three platforms. Uh, give us a search, give us a like, give us a thumbing, uh, depending on the platform. Uh, but we are uh, on there regularly on all three of those, uh, sending out pictures and updates on what we're smoking and what accessories we might be playing with at the time. And, of course, as Ben mentioned, the blog straight up on com. You can also find all, all the links to the podcast right there on com, right under the podcast banner. We are pretty much all over the place these days, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Buzzsprout. uh, Let's see, what's the other one? Google Play Music, we're on there as well. Pretty much anywhere you can uh, search for a podcast, you can find us and subscribe and get those notifications every time a new show comes out. And with that said, uh, we'll open up the floor for a second. Uh, Any final thoughts, closing arguments, or emotional outbursts before we go tonight?
0: I'd say I hate my job, but I don't think that really applies.
2: <laughs> and Ben laughed, so I'll assume that was... No, that wasn't
3: me. That wasn't oh, okay. uh, me. Somebody, somebody else was laughing. Was that you, Junior? you laughed.
2: Probably. I was you know, laughing at uh, what it must be like to live in Maine.
3: It's, it's different, and that's... I, I can't... My lawyer has advised me not to say anything negative about it as part of the contract. So, so I'm just...
2: what they there, mean, they'll sue you.
3: Yeah, yeah, so it's just, it's different. Um, I'm here now. Um,
2: it's wider, I, and I don't it, mean that in a racist way.
3: No, it, I mean, it, it is. I mean, no, not in a racist way. It's, it, the demographics <laughs> are in the snow. It does yeah, correlate on both that. fronts. Yeah, yeah, snow. But okay. uh, no, demographically, it is also predominantly Caucasian. We'll doesn't relate to out, this podcast uh,
2: but yeah so definitely get out there and uh, smoke something good over the next couple of weeks any topics or questions you might have uh, shoot us over uh, shoot us a message on the Twitter and we will definitely address that in the next podcast
3: also I have sent an email to Enrique Sanchez of 1502 um, if I can get a reply back uh, hopefully by next podcast we can have him on so we'll have a guest appearance from him if I can fingers crossed.
2: Yep. We'll keep you updated on all that on the social media platform so keep an eye out for that and everybody have a good evening. Have a good, good night. Good night.
1: Good night.
3: Okay.